welcome to Magical Mystical Journeys. This is Andrea St. Amand, and we're here with our co-host that you all know already and love. And if not, you're going to love them, love us all or hate us, hate us after today because we're talking about a very controversial, powerful entity. Ladies, would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Katie Valentine. I'm a Christian minister and metaphysical intuitive and New Testament scholar. And I can't wait to dive into this topic. And I'm a little nervous about it too. (laughs) Amy? I agree. This is Amy Renee. I'm a shamanic practitioner and I'm super excited about today's topic actually. And this is Andrea St. Amand. I'm an evidential psychic medium. And today we are talking about money. Ooh la la, moolah, gobs and gobs of money. Um, and really, we're going to be talking about the spirit of money, which honestly, the first time I that idea was presented to me, that there could be a spirit of money, like an energy in and of itself, I was gobsmacked, completely gobsmacked. So we're going to be delving into that because I think a lot of people don't think about money as having its own energy. Um, so what, what was like Katie or Amy, um, how did you first hear this idea of a spirit of money? This is Amy. Um, she showed up for me. I had no idea that that was even a thing. It was through experiences that kept on happening for me. Um, I was at a friend's house and going through some, I'm going to say some deep inner work. And within that, a few days later, I found a penny and listened to guidance. And then the next thing I know, a nickel showed up and then a dime and it just kept on going. So I didn't realize until I'm going to say just a few months back that money actually had consciousness that it had its own spirit. How about you, Katie? I have a distinct memory, but I, there's, there was probably a shift when I started uh, bringing on, bringing in my own clients, running my own programs in the way that I was thinking about money. I think in the Christian world, this can be so tricky because there's a lot of sort of prosperity gospel messages out there, which is if God loves you more, you will be more wealthy, which is, you know, pretty ridiculous, I think. Um, But then there's also a lot of scarcity, poverty-minded thinking out there too, which is that money doesn't matter. But of course, we all need money in order to to live, to thrive, and to help other people um, live and thrive too. I think actually thinking about money, like a spirit of money, uh, an energy of money, is it kind of impacted me when I learned that in the ancient world, any kind of idea ab- that we would think of as abstract today was thought to have its own kind of mass, its own entity. So like there's a spirit of genius and that spirit of genius comes on you to help you um, be creative, to have a creative spark. And so this kind of, this idea that there could be an actual energy with like mass to it around abundance, around money uh, and, and using money in a healthy way has been empowering for me. So I don't have a kind of line in the sand but an evolving, evolving awareness around the spirit of money. 
You know, that's interesting, Katie, because we are comfortable thinking about the spirit of compassion or the spirit of justice or law and order or this and that. And it's for me, the first time that concept came, um, that money had a spirit, it took money out of something abstract and that you can't really get your arms around. It's like paper stuff or coins or it's weighted. It's such so heavily weighted in our society. But as soon as I thought, oh, I could look at money like a spirit, like my grandmother is a spirit, like my, you know, suddenly like it became something I could get my mind wrapped around. As soon as I was able to anthropomorphize it, did Beautiful. I say that right? Yes. Um, whether money take the shape of a male or a female or a dog or an, you know, something like that, an animal, I was able to really start having a relationship with it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And I love, yeah. I, I love the comparison to like, yeah, compassion or joy or something like that. And that it had, this does have an energy and uh, it's really our relationship with the energy that determines um, how we experience money or scarcity or abundance in the world. And like, regardless of what's in our bank accounts, it's how we experience what's there. That's our starting yes. point. And I think when we start thinking about money as energy, it's become so much, uh, more accessible to us than how much, how many dollars and cents do I have in my bank account and how can this flow through me and flow through me and it is abundance or what's my relationship to it. So we're going to delve a little bit deeper into that. Um, before I go into my very heavily laden background with money, <laughs> I'm going to ask uh, Amy, what, what's been your relation? How would you define a well, I should say, did you even know you had a relationship with money growing up or in previous jobs or what's, and how has that evolved for you? Right. So my relationship money with money has been kind of interesting. So for me, our belief systems begin and kind of start from that environment that we grow up in. And I was a Navy brat. So by all means, we kind of, you know, um, my parents, I felt were kind of thrifty in certain ways. And so that's what I grew up with, knowing, not knowing, oh, hey, there's actually abundance everywhere in certain ways. So that was the basic mindset that I had when I grew up. Um, I've always been blessed with, I'm going to say, my job as a poker dealer, like I made good money. I was able to provide for my kids. It wasn't like some like insane amount where I had like all this money that I could just spend and do whatever I wanted, but I lived comfortable. I had what I needed. I was able to, you know, buy gifts for my kids that felt, I felt good about. I was able to donate and tithe. And I liked that. And Lainey, um, let me just interrupt you there just for a quick second. That's, you know, let's not miss the obvious connection that literally people were coming to you to win money, to get more money, right? Right. <laughs> or, to, or to lose money. it, right? Yeah. Or to lose it. But it, like <laughs> money is the object. They're coming to right. play with money. So that energy is so profound right there. And every time, every time you remind me that you were a poker dealer, I'm like, right. Like I, it's a part, I forget that part of you kind of like whenever Andrea says that she was a ballerina, I'm like, right. <laughs> or part of our mysterious pasts. Right. It's part of that journey and how it, it served in the ways it did. Well, when I had my spiritual, I'm going to say awakening, um, and I shifted from that environment, my 
it's been a different journey, you know, um, being an entrepreneur, building my business. I have developed a new relationship with money to the point where I began documenting, you know, that flow that was coming in and that was going out. And when I was a poker dealer, I didn't do that. It didn't matter. I didn't care. It just was, it was there. And so having this new relationship with money, one of the biggest things I've gained from this part is that she's helped me to realize the flow of money that as I'm receiving whatever's coming in, that that's a blessing. And as I'm investing it or spending it, however you want to call it, that others are being blessed by her through me, through each of us. Katie, what about you? What's your journey been with money? Oh my gosh. Um, I was just thinking my, one of my earliest memories uh, with money is uh, on Christmas morning, I had 50, when I was about seven, I had $50 in an envelope. And to me, it was like the biggest sum of money, you know, that I had ever seen at that age. And my, my sisters are a lot older and they got a hundred. So they got kind of, you know, commiserate with their, with their spending and with their age, they were probably teenagers at the time. Uh, And I bought my little ponies with it. We went to the store and I selected all the, my little ponies that, you know, that $50 could buy. So, um, you know, so my parents were kind of, um, always kind of teaching, uh, you know, giving us money, but of course, you know, when you're little, everyone gives you money for gifts and you don't, you don't have to buy anything. And so I'd have like hundreds of dollars in my little piggy bank, you know, when I was 10 years old, like no idea what to spend it on, um, you know, but as I, as I got older, definitely a more complicated relationship. And when I finished grad school, um, my, my partner and I were together and we had agreed that we would kind of each take care of our own student loans. He had gone to law school. I had gone to grad school. Grad school took way longer than I thought it would. And oh my gosh, with my student loan debt, there was so much shame. So Ooh. as an adult, like I have a lot of experience of sort of, of scarcity of worry. Um, I mean, when you're a grad student, you're sort of hard scrabble for jobs and taking out loans to try to pay for school. And of course I was living in the Bay area, which is one of the most expensive you know, markets in the, uh, in the country. And just like so much shame, um, around, uh, around money. And fortunately my partner was like, finally, he was like, okay, this is a number and it's only a number. He was like, it's a real number. But he was like, will you tell me the number? I was like, no. <laughs> you didn't and I just flat out refused. I was like, we had said we would take care of this oh, ourselves. No. And he was like, okay. He was, and it was very, very kind about it. He was like, because he was like, let's talk about, let's, let's get all this paid off because we changed our plans. And then he was like, okay, at some point in the next month, will you just write it down on a post-it and give it to me? And I was like, no, I don't think so. I won't do it. <laughs> oh, gosh. But it's one of those things where shame, we know that shame dies when we can speak in safe places. Yeah. Right. And he was able to create the safe place and didn't shame me for staying in school so long or not, you know, it took longer to write than I thought. There were just hiccups along the way, some of which were um, inevitable, some of which were not, but like, whatever, this is what, this is where we ended up. Um, So now, I mean, it was really kind of through that experience with a, um, with a great partner and just my own evolution as a spiritual being. And now much more like Amy um, I'm able to experience money as something that comes in and blesses me and that I can bless other people um, with that. And through, you know, what I, what I can offer and energy exchange with money, I know, I absolutely know that when people, when I, when others, when, especially, especially for my Christian tribe, 
when we can come into a healthy relationship with money, so many things change because it forces us to evaluate what's my relationship with, um, you know, with, with shame. What's my relationship with guilt? What's my relationship with, um, with angels? Um, so that can help us reevaluate our relationship with all sorts of energies. And just because someone has a lot of money doesn't mean they have a healthy relationship with money. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And just because they might appear to us as not having much money doesn't mean that they don't have a healthy relationship with it either. Yeah. Right. What's your story, Andrea? Yeah. So I grew up in West Virginia to a family of coal miners and very frugal. They were immigrants, very frugal. But I think that was, you know, my, I think all of us had grandparents of a generation that had been through the war or grew up in the depression. So they were very frugal. And I remember, it's funny, Katie, you just reminded me of a story where my great uncle gave me a quarter and I was so happy to have that quarter. And it was in my head, I have to save my money. So he said, go buy, we'll go to the Dairy Queen and you can buy some ice cream with your quarter. (laughs) We get up to the counter and it's time for me to buy my ice cream. And I burst into tears because I did not want to spend my quarter on ice cream. I did not, if I was going to spend my quarter, it was not going to be on ice cream. (laughs) So um, then I later became a dancer, ballerina, made no money at all, but I was very happy. Um, And then finally I got sick of being poor and went to college and then to law school. And man, that's where it's like so heavily, like it gets, shit gets heavy for me. Um, on one hand, the first shame experience I had with money is when I was able to buy a house based on my law firm paycheck. And it was to me at that time was the most exorbitantly outlandish, expensive thing ever. And I thought, Katie, again, you reminded me of that experience. And it's like, am I allowed to have a house this big? Am I allowed? It wasn't big. It was just, am I allowed to afford this? Am I allowed to buy a house? Am I allowed, you know, that's, you know, now I look back on like, it really wasn't that expensive (laughs) compared to real estate prices today. Yeah, but But, it's all proportionate, right? right? Oh, right. Perception. It was was huge. But I worked in a firm, Hmm. um, where we had very, very high billable hour requirements. And so money started then getting linked with time. And that, and literally my life for 10 years was measured in six-minute increments. And that every six minutes was money. And it was so heavy and so anxiety-producing because it was so hard to build that many hours. It's hard to work that many hours in a day and get paid for it that it just it just became something that after I quit practicing law, I realized that I was associating money with anxiety and pressure and just time. And it was just, it was, it was an awful feeling. And it's taken me a long time to get over that, to feel. And it was actually understanding that money could be a spirit and I could have a relationship. And it is one that doesn't have rules. I can make up my own rules in this relationship um, that I've been able to kind of, you know, work through all of that. And, you know, the other thing, because of what I did, I did do some, I did do some criminal law. So you can't buy your way out of criminal law, right? A criminal case. But most cases were business litigation, your business disputes, uh, where the only result is money is going to go to one party or it's not, right? That's the only way to solve the case is money. And 
people from the outside looking in would say, why are these people just fighting over money? And I will say it was never about money. It was always about emotions. It was always a sense of betrayal or a sense of broken (laughs) trust, a sense of a broken dream. And no one could put a dollar figure on that. Right. That they could settle and walk away feeling, feeling good. Yeah. It's always, it's always tied to something else. Yeah. And if we can separate that and have it be this free flowing uh, energy, it's really different. And the last thing I'll say, I feel like I'm rambling on here, but the last thing I'll say is I'm married to a man who is, did not grow up in the United States. So he has an altogether different view and relationship with money. He oh, grew cool. up in the Soviet Union, which collapsed and overnight all of their money was worthless. Wow. So he literally said his family, had, they, would, they would stash money behind the couch because <laughs> in the Soviet Union, they weren't supposed to have much money. Um, and they did a lot of black markets um, stuff to just to stay alive and get goods. Um, but when the Soviet Union collapsed, they lost the equivalent of like $300,000. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Like overnight, I mean, like overnight. literally wow. wall falls. And they were fine. So my husband, it's not that sense of, he knows he's got that resilience so right. I can make it back. But he also grew up in a different society that didn't have the relationship with money that Americans have. Yeah. And so that's another perspective altogether that I would challenge our um, viewers to just think about how much is cultural to America, how much right. is our generation, how much is our jobs, you know, and what, how, what are we putting on this, this poor spirit of money? And Amy, I'm going to invite you to share, and I don't think you've shared this before, of when you saw the penny, but it was tails up instead of heads up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I love how you're speaking about the relationships of money. Um, so when that penny came into my life and I was guided to pick it up, even though it was tells up, because you've heard the saying, heads up, pick it up, tells down, leave it down. And this tell side of the penny is face up and I pick it up. I was like, how would I feel if I was the tell side of this penny? And nobody wanted to pick me up. So I was guided to do the shamanic process on it, you know, held up my hand, uh, sent love and light to it. Before I did that, I broke up the like the karmic energy of all that like bullshit, limiting belief energy. Send it love and light. Send it love and light to all the other pennies that are out there laying down, you know. A lot of times people just pass them and don't even want to pick them up because it's a freaking penny. Well, to really now see that penny as an aspect of consciousness itself. It's an aspect of us. It's a reflection of us in some way, shape, or form. So I end up blessing this penny with some rose water once I'm done with the healing process. And I just held up my hand, continue to clean my house. And then I don't know where it went. If I laid it down somewhere, but it was no longer in my hand, I just, okay, I just trust that it is exactly where it is meant to be. So nickel and dime showed up, similar but different stories. And each one, like to me, the biggest lesson within that part of my journey was that the spirit of money was showing me that penny, nickel, and dime were like her children. And 
it goes further. I like how you've spoken to the relationships of that quarter that you had with that quarter, Andrea. Because that brings up the relationship that I've had with the $2 bill. My grandma used to give us $2 bills, you know, for special occasions, birthdays, holidays, whatnot. Um, And within my journey uh, and relationship with the spirit of money, because I no longer see money as something separate from me. I talk to money. I ask it what to do with it whenever I have it in my position. Anything related to money now, I directly connect to the spirit of money of like, okay, what is that next best step? So a friend had called me and contacted me and apparently I had given him a $2 bill at one point in time. And he was super sad and depressed because he had lost this $2 bill. It was in his wallet, but he just trusted that, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll come back to him. And he went and tuned a piano for a client and that client paid him in 50 $2 $2 bills. <laughs> talk, wow. Talk about a and, <laughs> and he got his wallet back at some point in time. So he's used that $2 bill for manifestation purposes for quite a while. And just, I just thought that was such a beautiful story of like how we can just trust and how we can connect to money in in different ways. And Amy, what that's bringing up for me is how respectful you suddenly became aware that you needed to be with money. I'm going to treat this with respect rather than a sense of burden or obligation. Katie, how would you, from your perspective, advise or how do you feel in terms of that idea of respect and approaching money with respect? Yeah, definitely respect. And I think if we can start approaching money, um, abundance as a friend rather than an enemy or rather than something that's to not be trusted. And that makes a huge difference in our relationship and in getting to know the spirit of, of healthy money, the spirit of um, abundance of non, of non-toxic um, ways of thinking about money. So, you know, if you had a friend and you told that friend, I really don't want to um, talk to you or see you very much. And I, I'm really suspicious of you. Would they want to hang out with you? No, of course not. And so if we say the same thing about money, does money want to hang out with us? Probably not. So even just, you know, just little changes like the, Amy, I love the um, tails down. You're like, how would I feel if someone just told me they couldn't, couldn't even pick me up because I was tails down? Um, something that small can just help reorient our relationship, um, you know, relationship with money. And I know through um, through my church, it's not not that every church spends money uh, wisely or is good stewards of it, um, but healthy churches that do that well, you know, they're able to build wells in countries. They're able to give to um, local uh, local nonprofits that make a real difference uh, in their community. And so it's that respect, you know, treating money with respect helps um, money respect us. Mm. Yeah. I always think of like, if you think about money as a uh, separate spirit or like an entity as a woman or an animal or something, and think of everything you're just shoving and dumping, it's all your crap that you're dumping on this poor woman. I just imagine like how we've treated her. She seems like how our relationship, how we treat money with such disdain or like it's a necessary evil. 
it seems like it's it would be the equivalent of this tattered, broken woman that's homeless in the street, you know? Um, so that's helped me be much more caring toward the idea. It seems like culturally we've been taught to treat money with disrespect and with disdain because of the adage, money is the root of all evil. So Katie, is that an old, just a saying or is that actual biblical quote it is it comes from the bible it comes from first timothy 6 uh, 10 but oh. the actual i know right but the actual saying is the love of money is the root of all evil and so um yeah, this comes from a you know quite particular context but we, we've all seen people who love money above um their family above their neighbors right and for you know for um for, for Christians, for, um, it probably extends beyond only Christians, but, you know, one of the first commandments is, you know, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your might. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Like, those are the two greatest commandments. And so, money in abundance should help us in the love of God and neighbor, right, including, and including ourselves. Um, but I think it's just really hard when we see people who are um, just, I mean, pretty obvious swindlers, you know, that we had in the eighties, we had the, uh, Jimmy Swagger, we had Jim Baker. One of them was in Baton Rouge. Um, just a couple of hours South, uh, South of me who were just obviously, I mean, they're taking money people's money. They're embezzling. They're, they're using money in a really, really disrespectful way and a dishonest way. Cause they say it's going to be used for this kind of mission, but it's not, it's being used for their personal wealth. Um, and so this has actually done a lot of damage in churches, in really good, honest churches who struggle to make ends meet, and they do use their money wisely, and they're not uh, they're not swindling anyone. Um, I, this has been really frustrating for me as a as an ordained minister because we constantly have to um, uh, deal with the perception that swindlers, in the name of Christ have done in the relationship with money. And so it's not those it's not those swindlers who have to pay the price. It's everyone else who has the same, you know, the same name uh, of Christian as that they do. Um so that's I mean that's been a really challenge I think challenging part of working with money and then people in churches, you know, Christians in churches also adopt um some of the scarcity mentality around it. And then they have really unhealthy relationships with money. So one of my um, one of one of my kind of favorite memories. So um, any of my former youth listening to this, I'm sorry, I'm about to tell a tale on you guys, um, and it's uh, this this isn't a confidential one. It was just an uh, illustrative story. Um, so I was with my youth one day a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm a youth in the church. They were all high schoolers, and I was like, listen, we have this opportunity to um, give. And I was, what was the cause? I, th- I think it was like to help improve the campgrounds to like add some safety features to the campgrounds of where we all went to camp. I was like, what do you think our youth budget was crazy big? Cause people kept on pouring money into it. We had like five youth. So I couldn't spend all the money that we had. I mean, you know, I was, these kids were easy to please. It was like pizza and a movie was fine with them when we weren't doing, you know, for our fun activities. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, we have, I don't know, let's say we have $2,000 in our budget that's not allocated to anything. I don't know. What do you, do you guys want to give from that budget? It's totally their choice. And they were like, oh, I don't know. We got to keep that around. And I was like, well, what for? Well, we do. You know, we got to you know, save it for a rainy day. I mean, these are like 16-year-olds. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. You know, I want to respect their, their decisions. And finally, I said, okay. They were like, maybe like $20. 
I was like, okay. <laughs> I kind of priced out, like, what does it cost to make a good handrail? I mean, we're talking about basic, basic repairs that need to be done to this like campground. I was like, okay, listen. Finally, I said, listen, whatever you all decide, I'll match it. So it'll, I'll, I'll personally match it. It'll double the giving. And then I was like, oh Lord, I hope they don't say like $5,000. Now they're going to like give the whole budget to that. Um, and so they finally settled on $50. So I gave oh $50 and we had a hundred. But I find, you know, this is when I actually went to the church board and I said, and I just told them, I was like, we need to be a little more cautious about how we're talking about money in front of youth because they're under the impression that like, that they, they shouldn't spend any money ever, including to mission which is kind of the point of the church to be in mission to our community. But if we just hold on to money, we get smaller, then we hold on to money, then we get smaller, then we cut programs, then we cut, then we just get smaller and smaller and smaller and we're doing nothing for anyone. Um, And so then, uh, and then, then I heard the youth talking about themselves saying, well, we're so small. We're, they kind of had this, like, we're so small. We're not even worth being spent on. Oh, the worthiness, the worthiness. Right. And so that's, and I told the board, I was like, the, you know, your youth think that they're not worth a budget, even though they are, your budget actually reflects that you, you, you do invest in them and you care about them. But the way we talk about money, they're terrified of spending it. And so just getting out of that pattern, um, I think for any spiritual organization, uh, any spiritual being, all of us is really worthwhile. So back to the love of money is the root of all evil. If we love so many so much that we don't spend it, that's a problem. It's yeah, got to stop the flow. Yeah, it's, it's stopping flow. the flow. Stopping the flow. If you're holding on to it so tightly, it's just like a relationship or a partner. You hold on to it so tightly, you're right. going to strangle them. Strangle them. It's the belief of you're not going to get more or whatever that, like that belief system, whatever those beliefs are, wherever they stem from, you know, whether it be, I'm not worthy to receive it or I'm not going to get more like, holy cow. If you really think about it on an energetic level, that flow is so important in everything Absolutely. we do, whether it be money, whether it be time, whether it be like, just like, right. Whew. You know, something that you said, Katie reminded, made me think it's almost sometimes the more of the pursuit of money that can be let's just say evil, but it, not evil, but you know, it's that pursuit and there's never going to be enough right. because it's almost like you can have the first million and the second million, whatever. And I've seen that in so many business people, yeah. it's that constant pursuit and it's ego driven, but then there's never, there's you're still never, enjoying never gonna, what you have, never enjoying it. You're never appreciated and there's never enough. Yeah. There's never enough. That's where I feel like where the toxicity comes in. Yeah. Yeah, and the flip side of that, I think, may also be um, totally enabling. Mm-hmm. Totally enabling someone with money actually disables them. Absolutely. Yes. Right. Right. Share like, more about that experience. Yeah. Well, so I'm thinking of, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch parents, grandparents who had like meaning very well, but with money, they enable people around them to become dependent on them and not independent. And I'm a big believer of, you know, it's, especially when you're young, learn a sharp lesson with money. Right. Right. You know, get the really expensive ticket, (laughs) work to have to pay it off, you know, work to have to pay it off. Right. That's, that's a nice lesson. Like don't, don't bail out with this. Um, And so that can become emotionally um, disabling as well. So it's like, 
holding on to it so tightly that we're always pursuing more and more and more, but then also just sort of not, not helping, not enabling others to have a respectful relationship with money is equally disabling. So there's, we got to find that sweet spot. Well, then there's that, the, the ones who are disabled don't have the skill set to go out and earn it themselves. Right. Or to manage it. Disabled or to manage it. And it's, it's, yeah, you're right. That's very disempowering and hard to, hard to see. Um, I had mentioned something earlier about time when I was a lawyer and having time being so connected to money. If I start thinking about time as its own separate spirit, I mean, that's a different episode, but also kind of makes my head explode. But I did find myself, even when I was practicing law and particularly afterwards, that I would hoard time over hoarding money. It was way more important for me to have lots and lots of free time rather than money in my savings account because the relationship was just inextricable to me. And I, time became a more important thing for me to hoard, which is holding on to it too tightly. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But Amy, you, you have had like a stopwatch. <laughs> like the, you click for the every six minutes. No, you get really good at math watching yeah. <laughs> your calendar, watching your clock on the corner of your computer screen. And I had a, um, my day planner, my, um, like a day planner, it was broken down already into like 10 minute increments. Okay. So I could write down this. It, it's okay. Right now it's three twenty-eight my time. So I would literally write down three thirty, three twenty-eight, three twenty-five, three thirty, something like that. And then the client. And then as okay. soon as I stopped, you write down that time. Okay. But I got good at that math and being like, how many six minute increments is that chunk of time? <laughs> so it's such a weird unit. Why six minutes? Because there's 60 minutes. Oh, okay. And and it was easier for, there's 10 than billing segments in an hour. In an hour, okay. So the bill would come out, you know, I worked one-tenth of an hour or (laughs) 3.4 hours on your project. And, you know, too, I'll just say then that that, those legal bills, if anybody's seen them, they're ginormous, you know, that's heavily weighted that the client then has this obligation to pay this huge chunk of money, which whenever you're paying lawyers, you're pretty much like you're in trouble and you're kind of throwing good money after bad. You know, you're not like, it's not like paying a lawyer to do your will. That's a progressive sort of action when you're in a lawsuit. It's just, it's just so heavily obligated. I mean, there's that phrase, I drown you in legal bills is there for a reason. Right. Yeah. Hmm. But Amy, you actually had um, a mystical perception. Yeah. Linking time and money. Yeah. So um, I said before, like when I had the poker job, I didn't really track my money. So um, stepping into the path of an entrepreneur, I began to, well, the first thing that I was guided to do is to just document the money. Okay, how much is coming in? How much is flowing out? So it's that just acknowledging that. So say for instance, if I had hundred dollars that came in, I would write down a hundred dollars. If I spent seventy dollars, I'd put minus seventy. Well, that would be the total flow of a positive thirty for the day. Well, the spirit of guided spirit of money guided me not to do that to actually acknowledge the total flow so that entire day became a total flow of 170. Ooh, nice. And so as I 
continued doing that process for a while, just acknowledging the flow of money, I started to notice my time too. Like, all right, sometimes I would have these like different things on my agenda for the day, my to-do list, so to speak. And I wouldn't always get those all done. And then there's this like, almost like the shame that would arise because I didn't get it done or why am I not doing this? And that's when the keeper of time showed up for me. It's like, let go of that. Just acknowledge what you do in your day. Okay. How am I investing my time in my day? What am I inspired to do? What is it that, you know, it's okay if I'm not doing something because in that not doing of something, there's actually maybe a self-care aspect that's happening too. So to acknowledge that. So the spirit of money showed up in that process of documentation. I got to connect with the keeper of time in a whole new way, which is me. Like I'm in charge of my own time. I get to choose what I do. You know, it may not be what my brain says I need to do in my day, but some aspect, some aspect of me is doing exactly whatever it is I, that is meant for me to do in that moment, in that day along with the angel of abundance. So a lot of times money is seen as abundance, but when it really comes down to it, money is kind of like a stone, right? What we choose to do with that stone, we can build with it, we can heal with it, we can play with it. Like that is it. It is, um, it's a matter how how the energy connected to it is, you know, moving, flowing, working, whatever the case may be. So that angel of abundance was there to show me that abundance was all around me, that it wasn't just in the form of money. Like if I had money, that didn't mean that I was necessarily abundant. My health, if I have a good health, I'm abundant in good health. If I have friends and loving family, I'm abundant in that area. So all the different areas in life, how the flow and the abundance and the appreciation and the energy of it are there in different ways. Amy, one of the things you're saying is kind of bringing to mind um, what I, I've, I've thought about this for money with a long time. And I think this is a huge um, maybe progression we can make, especially from the understanding of money and the biblical world and the, and the ancient Roman world, which is that it was zero sum. Exactly. So in order for me to gain some, you had to lose some. And there's a finite amount there's a of finite it. amount. Right now, there's a finite amount. And so like the ancient Romans certainly thought of honor that way in order for someone to gain honor, to gain prestige, someone else had to lose it. It was always zero sum. I think they were probably thinking about money and abundance the same way. So I think we've all, it sounds like the three of us have shifted. So we understand that, that the spirit of money and abundance is not zero sum. There's an endless source of abundance in the universe. But what you just said, Amy, is that there's also an endless supply of time the way we experience time and you know the the phrase time is money is coming to mind so it seems very related in a healthy way unlike andrea's like every 6 minute punching the clock um association right but like i've had the same experience when i take the time in the morning to meditate or to engage my spiritual practices or play the harp suddenly more time is created during the day like more mental clarity um, more ability to choose my time wisely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. When I started um, thinking about money as a spirit, as soon as that hit 
hit me um, and I could see it as a spirit, I, that shifted so fast for me to, I mean, it shifted instantly for me to actually say, oh, wait, I know that the spirit world is infinite. But before that, before looking at money as a spirit, as energy, I could not get my head around it. I could not, even, even that idea of money is energy, I couldn't get my head around it. I just couldn't even, but when I saw it as, okay, like Katie said earlier, it's got mass. Let's pretend it's got an outline and it can take a form. Then I understood that it was, it, oddly enough, giving it a finite sort of outline as a spirit gave me the sense that it was infinite. Yeah. I feel like I have to tell this story. I had, um, I have a couple of tables, I'm like looking at them right now in my office. I have like my altar altar, and then I have an ancestor's table. It's not quite an altar, Ooh. just an ancestor's table, but I have a, an abundance corner Ooh. as well. And I am not, yeah, I'm not like super great with plants. And um, so the, these get attention like once a month or so. They're not an everyday um, kind of attending thing. But about right, right before Halloween, I was like, oh, I need to go over to my, I just felt the pull to go over to my ancestor's table. And my plant had like died. My oh, plant no. had died. I was like, well, no wonder my ancestors were telling me, come over here. I got to fix this plant, <laughs> like get a healthier. So there's now, now a health, nice, healthy jade over there. Then my, one of my uh, plants on my abundance table, the leaves were like falling off no matter how I cared for it. And I was like, well, this is not going to work. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know if it's me doing this or this just needs to be replaced. So I lovingly have replaced this plant. And uh, now there's these two beautiful plants, a, a little money tree, and then one that's really hard to kill. But you know what, Katie? That's so symbolic of of clearing out the old, yeah, yeah. and letting go of what's no longer serving. So you're creating space for a, a different form of abundance to come in. Yeah, and I'm I'm just doing my visioning for the year for the next calendar mm-hmm. year right now too. Mm-hmm. So like this, just that we're even recording this is so timely because I'm like, who? Like, how do I how do I want to be in the world? What's the mm-hmm. um, what's it going What's it going to take? What kind of, you know, what kind of spirit of abundance do I need in just in even getting the word out there? Like creating a podcast. Yeah. Or like blogging, like any of that, right? This is all our, our time and our money that we're investing just to be here because we believe it's important. Yeah. Right. So other people you know, need it. Amy, Amy touched on something. I just want to reiterate it. And that's when you spend time doing what you love, even if it makes no sense to the outside world. If you spend time doing what you love, you get rewarded with time and money. You just yes. do. You just do. You're rewarding yourself in ways that your mind may not even quite fully understand in the moment. Well, what if, if you guys could look backward or look forward, what would be some wisdom you've received that you think would be helpful for your younger self or for other people or for yourself right now? What would you like to tell yourself right now? <laughs> in relation to money? Oh my gosh. My biggest thing right now, like, cause she's definitely here uh, <laughs> reminding me that when I have a connection with her, that no matter what my world looks like, you know, maybe an unexpected, um, an unexpected withdrawal happens to my account. And instead of being in the positive, I'm now in the negative. My old self would have freaked out. And who I am now with this connection is like, you know what? This is what it looks like. This is a rising for me to gain wisdom, heal something, 
clear belief, whatever, this is happening for me. So with my connection with the spirit of money, I'll know exactly what to do and it's all going to work out. It's all going to be okay. I would have also loved for my younger self to know to play, like how to play and create with money. Mm. Yeah. Amy, you said something earlier offline too. Yeah. There was a difference that you learned the difference between a hand out versus a hand up. Yeah. That seems playful to me too, a little bit. It is. It really is. The, um, so when it comes to tithing, um, some people, you know, give, you know, it's what, what does it even mean to tithe? Well, a mentor of mine, Kimberly Masca, um, brought into my awareness. She shared what the difference of a hand up versus a handout was. Well, a hand up, if you've heard the phrase, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. And you probably feed all kinds of other people too, right? So the hand up would be the teaching a man how to fish, where the handout would be just giving the man a fish. So it's really an empowering way of tithing. So now when I want to give to some someone, yes, I can do the handout too if I want to. That's okay. But I really would love to impact the world in a greater way by maybe giving to an organization that is empowering people or providing um, the container or space for someone to have their own spiritual growth. Like to me, that is that giving a hand up, tithing aspect, empowering people, doing what we can to for the betterment of life versus, um, for instance, if I clean a house, that's a one-time thing. It's just going to get dirty again. But if I invest my time in preparing, teaching someone how to clean their house, guess what? That can continue to give. I had a thought and went right out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> With something that you just said, Amy, and I was going to go to Katie with it. It'll come back. Hopefully, the spirit of money will bring it. Hopefully, the spirit of money is working with the spirit of memory. It'll come back. (laughs) Katie, what would you tell your younger self, or what would you tell yourself or others right now with regard to money? You know, my I my grandmother said something to me once, just kind of in passing. But I think it's the wisdom that's coming through. My um, it's my my one my one kind of grandparent I've really had my entire life. She's still alive. She's in her nineties now. And uh, she told me, I think when I was a teenager, she was like, you know, Katie, anything you own is a responsibility. Absolutely anything you own is a responsibility and it's going to require time. And she was thinking, and she was correct, of a house, a car, clothing, you know, I mean, anything we have is a responsibility. And but the wisdom of that to me is don't buy it because you think you should have it. Mm. Right? Like that, like that's about the ego. Yes. Yeah. So if you, if you desire to own a house and get equity in the house and have the, you know, for whatever reason, buy one, you know what? My whole adult, adult life in rentals. Cause I love being able to call a property manager and say, this is wrong. <laughs> Please come and fix it. Mm. <laughs> and I have to fool it. So ironically, the one, the property that we actually do own right now, we don't live in. It's halfway around the world. It's halfway around the world, right? And so, yeah. And so, and and a property manager manages that too, right? So like for me, that was a good, that's been a good trade-off in my adult life for, right, for various reasons, right? For various financial, but also just like personal. 
And so take the shoulds out of money. Take the shoulds Mm. totally out. Yes. Right. And like, what is it that you want? Because that's what the spirit of money is really interested in. What is it that you want? What is it that you desire? How is my, how is your spending of money reflecting your values? Mm. Absolutely. One of the, that's, that's, that's karmic as well. One of the things that I um, talk uh, to clients about when they're having issues with money and, you know, kind of following their soul's path um, is to think about, you know, when we pay our bills, every time a bill comes in, you're like, oh, I got to pay the electric bill or I got to pay the mortgage. I have to pay this. Instead of having that sense of obligation on top of it, you know, you can look at, at it like, you know what, there is nowhere ever that it's been declared that electricity or running water or a cell phone or the internet is a basic human right. It's just not. So we are so lucky that we have the internet right now and Zoom and all of this um, stuff. So I'm happy to pay those bills then because that's giving me what I desire because I'd rather live in a house with electricity and running water so I don't have the hassle of having to deal, find it. Right. right, to get, yes. get excited about it. I get, get to pay. I get it. to have this. Yeah. The, and this just happened to me today um, because I got a GoDaddy auto renewal for my website and all my hosting and everything. And it was way more expensive than I expected. And so that was that. And it was, you know, by the way, here's your receipt. We've already charged your card for it. So Amy, that's like well, that unexpected withdrawal. And I was like, oh, yes. Like, Hold up. <laughs> this actually means, and I got on the phone with GoDaddy because I'm like, I'm going to be responsible about this, this expense that I'm not expecting and make sure it's accurate. And what came to me was that, oh my gosh, I'm actually desiring this. This means I am, I'll actually have a website for the next three years, assuming GoDaddy and the internet stays in existence, which I don't think that we're facing it not being. Um, but it just gave me that like, wow, that's so exciting that I'm at the point in my business that I'm this far in and I'm doing another three-year renewal on my storefront, which is my website. It was just actually a very, very exciting moment then. Yeah, that switch from obligation to empowerment mm-hmm. will serve us for the forever. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. How do you feel or do you feel at all the spirit of money or that energy coming into, and I'm not going to say your business because all of us are entrepreneurs here. Obviously, money is the flow, is the electricity of our business. But how do you feel like it, it relates into your craft? So that would be Amy with you, Shamanas, or Katie with you, your teachings. How does it relate to your craft? Mm. Okay. For me... Aini, okay, so that's a word that some people probably don't have never heard of, but it is that it's the reminder of the sacred exchange. So, uh, in the shamanic ways, a lot of times before we receive something, so before I pick a flower or pick up a rock, I give thanks for that. Like I blow a prayer before even picking it up where I offer tobacco or cornmeal or a hair or whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, it's the intention of I am giving before I receive. So that sacred exchange is huge. And so by having a relationship with money, with anything, like just honoring the exchange and the flow of life. Amy, what was the word that you just used for that means sacred exchange? Aini. A- How do you spell that? 
I think it's A-Y-N-I. I'll double check, but yeah. Is that a Native I mean, American word? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I'm not sure if it's um, uh, the Peruvian Quechua is mm. uh, sometimes the language that we work with. And I'm not sure where that word originates from. So I'll have to look that up and, and uh, post awesome. on Facebook for yeah, us. Yes, I like Please the sound do. of it. I do too. Yeah. I love that idea of sacred exchange. I love yeah. that. Well, Katie, what about you? You know, it's it's interesting because um, my people that I work with are amazing, amazing, amazing. They, they're making investments in themselves and reorienting their spiritual lives. I'm so grateful to to work with them every day and, uh, you know, energy exchange in the form of currency, right? And I, I work with people um, as much as I can to make that really possible, really accessible for them. Occasionally, I'll be talking to someone and they'll say, well, I don't, I don't think Jesus would charge me. But then, well, so, you know, I get it, right? But um, uh, A, I'm, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. I am not the um, the the son no, of God incarnate. No pressure, Katie. Yeah, right. No pressure, right? Um, a. So that's one thing. But also, um, Jesus did what he did for a year, <laughs> walking around and teaching and doing miracles. And we we see quite often that he would go into someone's house. He would stay there. They would feed him. That was their energy exchange, yes. right? In the, in the form of gift, right? In the form of yeah. yeah they seemed happy to to be able to do that. And we know, we know that um, wealthy widows funded the early yes. Christian movement, like beyond mm. a doubt, like it's very recorded, yep. um, especially in the book of Acts. So like well, wealthy women who got to choose what they spent money on, spent money on the church, on building up this incredible message of liberation and freedom. So mm. I love being in that stream. I'm not a I'm not a wealthy widow, but I love being <sighs> in the stream of women who are um, making the uh, the face of the earth different in our different corners of the world, um, partly through abundance. And like you said, Andrea, abundance and money is what fuels my ability to be impactful. Yeah, yeah. For me, I wish someone had told me a long time ago that I could see money as a spirit because I've always talked to spirits. That <laughs> would have helped a long time ago. But for me, it really, it's inseparable. Inseparable, my business from my craft, from me, it's all, it's all there. But for me to be able to share my craft with people um, in a healing way, because most of my clients are dealing with traumatic loss. And in order, and for them to be able to give me something in exchange that's of value to me and them, it's it, it is that sacred exchange. And I think that's that's actually how it comes into my mediumship, other than talking to when I'm doing coaching, other talking about the spirit of money. But so Amy, that really hit me about that sacred exchange. It's it's, it's such an honor for me to be able to connect with people's loved ones in spirit and to be able to do that on an everyday basis. And the only way I could do that is with that exchange. And I, I love it. That is so beautiful. You know, I, I feel inspired. I just want to offer our listeners and our viewers. I want to set up a time to a despacho is one of uh, the creations that is a sacred exchange. And I would love to host and facilitate a workshop just for those who are out there that would love to know a little bit more of the shamanic ways and how they can integrate and bring that into their lives. Like this feels really, really important, really good to 
to offer. And you were, about, you were saying something, Andrea. So I, I that's wonderful. Yeah, no, I'm, I I'm so it. glad. I love that. Can Katie and I come? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come. Um, I was thinking, like, and I think all of us have gone through this when you're first starting out as an entrepreneur or any in any new endeavor. And I just want to acknowledge this for the listeners that as an artist or as any person creating a, starting a craft or anything, you get to that point where you're like, am I good enough to start charging money? And that is a big, that was kind of the left next part of what I wanted to say with my craft. It's so, I'm so thrilled that I'm at this point where I could just where I am. But I also know like I, my, my stepson is an artist and, you know, he's, he's struggling with that. Like, am I good enough to charge this? Yeah. Am I good enough to charge? And that's just something that when you're starting a new endeavor that comes into play. And I think that we can use that tension there and not blame money for it, but pull it back into ourselves and be like, okay, I'm just at this stage where I'm not confident enough in my own skills, or I'm just starting out and I am where I am. And if I keep on going, I can create this beautiful, sustainable, energetic exchange with my art or my whatever your pursuit is. And when I first started to play the harp, I'd been playing like nine months, 10 months, and I already knew a lot about music. Um, so it wasn't my first instrument, but I got started at my people's, that I knew started asking me, would I play at different events? Like that, I wasn't doing, I would have never desired to do it full time. But I asked my harp teacher I was, at the time, I was like, oh, how much should I charge? I don't even know. And she said, whatever you do, please don't weigh undercut full-time harpist. Yeah. She was like, cause that she was like, then people know they can get you for like whatever, 10 bucks to play for two yeah. hours. She was like, and no one is going to hire us for gigs. We actually want you to charge a going rate. Nice. She's like, I actually want you to charge just almost, she was like, charge what I charge. I was like, I don't think I can charge exactly what you charge, nice. but I charge pretty close per hour. So it's not to undercut the gig economy. Yeah. Um, and so that, in that sense, I mean, she really helped me see, bring, bring my, that craft um, into its fullness in that right. way and not constantly undermine myself. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I would like now to invite our listeners to go with us on a journey with money very quickly. We're not going to do a full on meditation this time, but this, because this exercise, because everything we've been talking about really begs repeated exercises with money. So the first thing I would like everyone to do, take a few deep breaths. And what's the first thing you think of when you think of money? And I would like to invite you that if there is a shape, a form, a mass, female, male, animal, and elements to go ahead and give the spirit of money some mass. Give it a costume, give it a look, something that you can start identifying with as a human being. You, you being the human, spirit of money doesn't have to be a humanoid. And then start thinking, how am I treating that? What am I throwing on that? How have I treated this being, this defined being, my entire life? And just own that. Just, just no shame, no judgment. Just acknowledge that. And this is an exercise that can be done over and over again. 
and then start to receive, understand this is a being that wants to be part of your life, that wants to give you energy and flow. It doesn't want to be locked in cage or a bank vault. And you might even want to take a coin or take money out of your wallet, physical manifestation of the spirit in our current lives and hold it and see if there's one dollar bill that feels heavier or lighter than another because each pieces of those currencies have stories to tell. So I do invite you to keep working with the spirit of money. All right. Any wrap up thoughts, ladies? I love it. I have the image of uh, a bill. I have a silver certificate, which is like a, a dollar bill. And the image of like, feather like wings on it so i kind of want to grab a couple of feathers and just tape them onto the silver certificate uh, <laughs> oh, on my like uh, my altar i like that what about you Kate? My, she totally appeared as a woman i was totally surprised in these like long flowing garments just like at the door kind of like hello like and when you first said give her mask all i heard at first was give her a mask oh <laughs> like, a, a, like mask? a pandemic mask no. or something i was like no no <laughs> She's good. She doesn't need that. She's fine. So. <laughs> That's funny. I was thinking like a costume, but like a Venetian mask. Like oh, oh. Costume, that's so funny. Yeah. But I did say mask, not mask. No, I, yeah, no, it, it immediately corrected in my head. It was just funny. She was like, no, I'm good. I don't need a mask. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? She, the first time it appeared to me, it was also female, though sometimes it'll be male and like this real like massy gorgeous man kind of way uh, but some usually she's a female and same katie i see her almost like a ghost like a very romantic white wispy thing with long flowing garments but i just now realized she's always standing in the same spot in my house oh wow she's always standing over here in the corner <laughs> right where i have my incense and all my crystals it's something a little bit of an altar but i light incense every morning and tell fairies what i want to have bring me and there's plants over there. And I realize that's where she always, that's where nice. I always, look. when I think about her, I'm like, oh, she's standing over there. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh. Interesting. I wonder if the incense and crystals and all that has something to do with that. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Well, Amy, do you want to tell everybody how to find us if they don't know already? Yes. Find us on Facebook, Magical Mystical Journeys. You can email us, magicalmysticaljourneys at gmail.com. Run. Instagram, Magical Mystical Journeys on Instagram as well. Yeah. And anything else I'm missing, Katie? I think that's it. Uh, we'd love to receive ratings from all of you. It helps get the word out there. If you do nothing else and you're listening to us on iTunes, um, rate us on iTunes. Just click the little stars. Leave a comment that helps other people find us and see us. And uh, actually, the way people find out about podcasts the most is by word of mouth. So definitely share um, share about us on your social media channels, tag us, uh, let other people in on, on this. We would love to um, build the spirit of the podcast. Mm. I will say too, if there's any way that any of us could help you individually through the services we offer, please don't hesitate to reach out or look us up. Absolutely. So today has been rocking. It's been so, so much fun. fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Andrew. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Appreciate it. Love you guys. All right. See y'all soon. Love you. Bye. 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 Bye.